Hi there and welcome to the MMM podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. I am the digital editor at MMM. Very glad to have a special guest on the show today, Dr. Judd Brewer, Chief Medical Officer of ShareCare. Dr. Brewer, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you being on the show. And I wanted to jump right in and talk about the Mind Your Health study. You know, we always are interested in seeing industry reports as they come out, but being able to have an, a C-suite executive like yourself here to kind of break it down and give us a high-level overview. We're really interested in what some of the most meaningful takeaways were for you, especially as it relates to patient addiction. Yeah, well, it was it was eye-opening, to put it mildly. You know, this was a survey of about 3,000 patients, more than 200 fishes. There's more than 200 physicians in the U.S. Uh, and what we're seeing is that compared to those who exhibited symptoms uh, indicative of anxiety and depression, many fewer people have actually received a mental health diagnosis. And this can actually detract from how they manage their emotional, mental, and, and physical health. Uh, and those numbers, if you're ready for this, are more than double in patients who are already dealing with a chronic illness. So just to give you some examples, uh, diabetes, uh, depression and anxiety are pervasive. And we all know that already, but these are underdiagnosed in America. And that may re result in a lack of treatment and that uh, interference with people's management of their chronic illness or their condition. For example, six in 10 of our responders reported suffering from frequent anxiety and or major depression symptoms. Of those, only 48% have been diagnosed with any anxiety or depressive disorder. So, you know, if you really look at this um, even more broadly, seven in 10 people have a physical chronic, chronic condition, and these folks exhibit symptoms of anxiety or depression. So that's you know, they're two to three point, they're two uh, times more likely to be diagnosed with depression or anxiety compared to the healthy population. So this is, this is really concerning in terms of how important it is. And it really adds to the growing body of evidence demonstrating the need to treat the whole person, but also that mindfulness and anxiety reducing tactics are really critical components of, of treating chronic condition management. I appreciate you kind of outlining that, and it certainly goes in with a lot of the research and reports that we've seen recently as it relates to mental health and the worsening mental health crisis that our country's been undergoing, certainly exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. So I guess as a follow-up, it would be what in terms of best action items or best practices that are out there for organizations to try and promote more of that mindfulness and uh, you know taking on mental health that maybe patients say, even if they were interested in it, maybe don't have the resources themselves or don't know where to go to be able to try and fix this on their own? Yeah, it's a really good question. So a growing uh, field of, of research and also development is digital therapeutics. So think of, you know, packaging a, uh, packaging my clinic as a, as a psychiatrist and delivering it to somebody in context. And that's really important because people don't, you know, they don't, they don't get anxious and learn to get anxious in their in their doctor's office. And so going into that context uh, has a lot of barriers. One, that's not the the normal, you know, that's not natural for somebody to be kind of going somewhere out of context to try to change behavior or, or work with their mental health. Two, it, it provides a lot of barriers for folks. So time barriers, um, you know, getting if somebody has uh, children, getting child care, getting time off of work, all of those things really contribute to making it more challenging for folks to actually get into treatment regardless of the fact that there is a huge shortage of qualified you know, uh, physicians and, and therapists. It's just there are just many more people in need of services than are, they're giving them. So digital therapeutics, I think, is a really interesting emerging uh, modality or field 
there aren't a lot of uh, digital therapeutics that are evidence-based yet. I mean, that's one thing that my lab at Brown had been, has been working on is, you know, how do we take theory and package, um, you know, deliver mindfulness training in an evidence-based manner? And then, of course, how do we study it and make sure it works? So I think that's one thing that we need a lot more of is evidence-based digital therapeutics. There are a lot of therapeutics out there. People say, oh, this is, you know, this is based on science or this and that. But when you look at the studies or lack thereof, there aren't actually a lot of, of studies. So just, just as an example, we two years ago or back in 2021 now, we published uh, our first randomized control trial with our unwinding anxiety program and with people with generalized anxiety disorder. And so it's really important to see, you know, does this if you deliver this in a clinical setting, does this actually augment care? So we compared people with regular you know, they were getting usual clinical care and, and versus just adding in a digital therapeutic kind of think of it as diagnosing anxiety and then um, giving them a prescription for a digital therapeutic instead of a pill. It, it could be in conjunction with the pill, but, you know, think of that as the, as the treatment. We got a 67% reduction in anxiety uh, in people with that program, whereas the people that just went through usual clinical care got about a 14% reduction, which is on par with the standard uh, medication, you know, effects. So that's an example of where we're starting to see digital therapeutics. I mean, you know, that, there are others out there, but a lot of, uh, there's a lot more um, research that needs to be done to differentiate the, um, you know, the science from the celebrity, you know, <laughs> type of thing, you know, a lot of celebrity endorsements like, oh, I use this or that, but I, I like to see science because that really is more indicative of the general population. It is interesting to hear you talk about that there's still work to be done on that front, given that there's so, been so much hype and, you know, a lot of money that's been thrown around that area. It's interesting to hear that there is still more room to go. I kind of want to take a little bit of a step back as it relates to the mental health aspect, because we've, we've done a lot of reporting about how much, you know, every single campaign that I seem to see about behavioral health or mental health is always talking about, you know, eradicating the stigma. And certainly there's been a lot more focus on, you know, people feel more comfortable, especially men going to therapy and being mm -hmm. able to treat their mental well-being. But that certainly hasn't been, you know, it's not like we snapped our fingers and it was overnight. It's been a long time coming. There's still a long ways to go. I'm just curious what you make of the progress that's been made in that front. And maybe if there are any sort of the more sticky stigmas that are still out there that need to be addressed and, and how healthcare leaders are able to do that. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think there's been a lot of progress that's been made. So here I'm more optimistic than the amount of evidence, you know, versus the hype that you talked about earlier. Uh, here, I think there's there have been huge strides made, especially around depression and anxiety and helping the general population see, hey, this is just part of everyday life. You know, a lot of people are anxious. A lot of people are depressed. I don't know anybody that's never been anxious, you know, and so that's something as an example that we can all relate to. So we've seen a lot of uh, sports figures come out and talk about their uh, struggles with mental health. Uh, we saw this with the, the Summer Olympics recently. We've seen this, you know, where more and more people that are looked up to, you know, these these, you know, pro athletes are saying, hey, you know, I have anxiety or I've battled with depression or, or this or that. So I think those two in particular, anxiety, depression, we've made a lot of progress. I think there's still some stigma around addiction treatment, for example, uh, which is slow. Is that that stigma is, is eroding more slowly than we see with, say, anxiety and depression? And why? And why is that? I mean, it's it's one thing where it's obviously those are different. I think, like you said, almost everyone's 
maybe dealt with anxiety in their lives. Maybe they haven't dealt with addictions. Is it just as simple as that or is there something deeper that goes into that? I think that's part of it. Yet I think the addiction piece is actually parallel to uh, to overweight, for example. So overweight and obesity, often people feel like anxiety is something that happens to them. So it's like, oh, this happened to me. I got anxious. Whereas if somebody's struggling uh, with overeating, for example, they may feel like that's a, a willpower failure. And that's certainly something that's a message that's been given societally for over half a century, you know, where it's like, just make sure you have more calories out than calories in. We still learn that formula in medical school. And if you can't just stop eating the cake and start eating the salad, there's something wrong with you. And I see this a lot with addiction as well. You know, it's like this moral failure of somebody that because they're dealing with addiction, there's something wrong with them. And a lot of people internalize this, whether it's, you know, whether it's overeating or, or addiction, because it's such a, a societal trope. So here, I think we really need more education around helping the world see that addiction is a, you know, is just like any other thing that happens to us. And in fact, <laughs> if you look around, the world is trying to get us addicted to all sorts of things. And so we're kind of swimming upstream when it comes to anything from, you know, social media to food that's engineered to be as addictive as possible. And then blaming people when, you know, what, what's wrong with you when you keep when you keep eating this, when the potato chip companies back in the 60s, you know, what was it, Lay's that said, bet you can't eat just one, you know, parentheses, we, we designed it that way. So that story has been out there for a long time. And I think that's very different than anxiety and depression. No, that's a very important point, certainly, as what we've seen as well with the opioid epidemic and everything on that front. Sometimes it is truly outside of the the patient's control. I know we focused a lot of this conversation so far on the mental health and addiction aspect, but I wanted to pivot a little bit. We first met at Health uh, last month back in Las Vegas. And I think that if you had said to me at the start of the year, given where we were with Omicron and kind of going into that third or fourth wave, whatever you want to describe it in the COVID pandemic, and you said this was going to be a thousand plus person event and there were going to be people all over and it was going to feel somewhat back to normal. I don't know that I would have believed you. So I, I'm curious just how ShareCare performed this year in 2022 in your estimation, and just how you look around the healthcare industry and how the industry itself, you know, made it through the year. What were the highs and lows in your estimation? Yeah, well, I, there's a lot that we could talk about there. Uh, but I would say, you know, overall, if we look at the industry, um, and uh, I would say mental health really is you know, is this top concern across America? And we're seeing a lot of clients asking for, you know, and really highlighting and, and um, emphasizing the need for helping their, um, whether it's their workforce or their their uh, population in their state or, or whatever, uh, help you know, be benef- benefit from more mental health treatment. So I see a lot of uh, emphasis moving in that direction. And I think the industry is, um, is really working to keep up with that, that increased interest in demand. And I would actually, you know, say I think this is going to be a top concern across America, uh, especially in the American workforce, because we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, anxiety in particular contributing to burnout. You know, there's a there's a huge amount of burnout. We, we've even we did a study uh, with our Unwinding Anxiety app looking at anxiety and burnout specifically, and found that the anxiety and burnout are highly highly correlated. This is even in, uh, in physicians, you know, in anxious physicians. So as a representative um, 
population of, of people that are overworked, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think here, and then, you know, we can, we can actually see large reductions both in anxiety and burnout when you address the underlying causes. So I think that's going to be something going forward. And again, you know, I think there's been a lot of emphasis in the, in the industry around celebrity because it just takes time to do clinical studies. And so I think that's where the clients are going to be asking more and more, you know, show me, show me the outcomes, show me the metrics, you know, show me that this actually uh, changes the metrics in, tr- in terms of mental health as compared to, oh, this, this is a cute, you know, slick looking app. Um, and the other thing that I, I see more and more of is the just looking for the whole person care, you know, not just seeing these point solutions. You probably saw this uh, talked about a lot at health where, you know, there's this, you know, people are wondering, oh, is it just a bunch of point solutions? You bring them all together and you try to aggregate that versus having a platform. And so we've seen a lot of interest in the share care platform around having this whole person or whole human perspective where we can, you know, we can help people soup to nuts, you know, like uh, across all conditions, across their entire lifespan and across, you know, whatever they need, whether it's mental health, physical health, even financial health. I'm curious too, I know that you were talking about the industry at large, but as it relates to you personally, especially somebody that has a clinical background that is in the C-suite, that's in the decision-making situation, you know, what was one key lesson that maybe you took away from this year that you're like, okay, like, you know, for everything that happened in 2022, good, bad, and otherwise, I at least have this lesson that can carry me forward. That one lesson I would say is science evidence. That was over and over and over seeing folks ask, you know, show me the evidence behind something, you know, and so not just, um, you know, what, what, you know, as a neuroscientist, I like to look at mechanism and like to understand how things work and why they're working. But the, the question that I, you know, that I saw over and over that I'm carrying into 2023 is how well does this work? Like, how is this going to actually improve the health of my members? How is it going to improve the health of my employees, et cetera. And I think that is something that's really, you know, we're doubling down on. Excellent. Well, Dr. Brewer, I really appreciate you being on the show today. And I know that we're doing this interview just a couple of weeks before the end of 2023. So I want to give you the final word as you look ahead to next year, what has you the most enthused or what should we expect out of share care going into 2023? Well, I think you can expect a lot out of share care. We have a very ambitious agenda, but one thing I want to highlight is how we are really, um, putting a lot of emphasis on treating the whole human. So, you know, we even have a, um, we have a whole uh, program that's going to be uh, coming out uh, very, you know, in the, in the new year, that's going to be, you know, it's called Mind Your Health, which will ensure people who are suffering from chronic illness are empowered to address their unique mental health needs, because that's equally as important as the physical health. So, really helping people, you know, there's going to be a series of educational videos that are condition specific, patient friendly. And these are based, you know, these are conversations that I have with Dr. Jen Cottle, uh, who's a board certified family uh, medicine practitioner. So the idea here is how can we really help people think about their whole human health, especially folks who are struggling with chronic conditions, because that's so uh, important, not just for the individual, but it's important for society. It's a, it's a really high healthcare cost. Well, excellent. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing more of what you and your company do in the next year. And obviously any sort of research or reports that you can come back on the pod and share your insights with, we'd certainly welcome you here. Great.
Well, thanks again. Thanks for having me.